Welcome to the Wake Up With Gratitude podcast. I'm your host, Julie Boyer, and I'm excited to bring you interviews with empowered entrepreneurs who build their businesses on gratitude, self-love, and kindness. Welcome to this episode of the Wake Up With Gratitude podcast. I'm your host, Julie Boyer, and today's episode, I'm going to talk all about things to leave behind in 2020. So we're moving into a new decade. It's a really exciting time. And I just want to go through a number of things that we can really work on together. And I genuinely mean together because I struggle with these just as much as everyone else does to really move into the next decade um, with a lot of compassion and kindness and gratitude and self-love and all the things that this podcast is about. So I'm going to go through a list of 20 things to leave behind in 2020 as we move forward, and hopefully you'll get some interesting ideas and nuggets on how to make changes to move forward to create your best year, your best decade, and really your best life ever. So the first thing on my list is actually jealousy. And... This one is something that I have struggled with since I was a child. It's been really difficult for me to let this one go. And interestingly enough, even just a couple of days ago, I noticed that I had feelings of jealousy coming up uh, around um, seeing someone else getting chosen for something that I actually wasn't even necessarily in the running for, but I just was like, you know, I can't believe this person got this, uh, was chosen for this and not me. And it was really interesting to see how those feelings of jealousy came up for me. And you know what I realized, and I know this, so it frustrates me when it comes up, but what I know is that every time we speak negatively about someone else's success, every time we feel like someone got chosen over us, we were overlooked, we're really putting out really negative energy into the world. And instead of jealousy, what if we worked on really celebrating other people's successes? I think that's something we could do on social media uh, really well. Instead of you know being jealous when someone shares one of their successes, what we could do is actually share their success for them and praise them and to help them feel proud that they've accomplished something. So jealousy, for sure, still on my list of things that I'm working on but absolutely something I'd love to leave behind. The next thing is comparison. And one of my favorite quotes is that comparison is the thief of joy. And it is so easy to compare our lives to other people's, especially on social media, where sometimes our life is a little bit more shiny. But I've noticed, of course, in the past year especially, that people are becoming more authentic and more real on social media. But when we compare ourselves to others, it's just, it's really arbitrary when you think about it because you don't know everything that someone else is going through behind the scenes. So whether they're sharing something really difficult or something great that's happening in their life, you might not know the struggles that were involved in order to get there or the losses that they have endured. So comparison just makes, it actually makes no sense. And that's why I'm encouraging us to leave that behind. You know, if you want to compare yourself to someone, compare yourself to the person you were yesterday. You know, am I different than the person I was yesterday? Have I grown from the person I was yesterday? Am I expressing the same negativity that I did yesterday or have I changed the way that I speak? That would be a wonderful way to 
use the word comparison instead of comparing ourselves to other people. The third thing on my list is negative self-talk. Ah, and this one, of course, hits home for so many of us. Whether the self-talk is happening uh, inside of our heads or outside of our mouths, it's crazy how it affects us. And this is part of the reason why I did a whole series on self-love, and I've been sharing episodes um, throughout this podcast, and I will continue to share more about the self-love series I did because for me, self-love is a real way to help negate the negative self-talk. And one of the reasons why I'd love to leave this behind is that when negative self-talk comes out of my mouth, it seems like my daughter always hears me. And she's nine, so she is very susceptible to self-talk. And sometimes I hear the way that she speaks to herself. And I ask myself the question, I'm like, where did she get that really negative self-talk? And I, I hope that it doesn't come from me, but it probably does. And that was actually really what started the self-love project is I was looking at myself in the mirror and speaking unkindly to myself. And then my daughter asked me if she was fat. And I thought, this is crazy. Of course, my nine-year-old is not fat, but she's heard me describe my own body this way. And now she's worried about the way her body looks at nine years old. So negative self-talk, something to leave behind because it doesn't just affect ourselves, but it can really affect the people that are around us. The next thing I would love to leave behind is the fear of loss. And I wrote fear of loss because we could talk about leaving behind fear in general, but I think that when we fear loss, um, that fear can really take hold of us and really manifest in real life. So for example, you know, when we fear losing business or losing a job, that fear actually often transcends and transcends into reality. And this is something that's actually happened in our own lives. You know, we, I did fear for a long time, um, that my husband would lose his job and, and he did. And I, I remember when it happened, I was super shocked. But I was also like this, I actually created this. Like I actually, in my mind, was so worried about what was going on at his work that it ended up that he did lose his job. I mean, there are so many losses we fear. We fear the loss of loved ones. We fear the loss of our pets. You know, I've had a dog now for two years. I've had many cats before, but I do agree that there's something different when you get a dog and that fear of losing that companion you know, sometimes it comes up for me and it actually comes up for our daughter as well. And I just try to do my best to remember to enjoy the moments that I have with our companion, with Mouse, while he's here on earth. And I think that translates to, you know, the fear of loss of people in our lives, the fear of losing relationships is really taking gratitude instead for the moments that we have together and for the time that we do have because loss we're not going to let go of loss. That's always going to be a part of our lives, but it's attaching fear to that. That is what I'm encouraging all of us to let go as we move forward into this next decade. Lack mentality is the next thing on my list. And this is, this is really connected to um, when we talk about actually having first world problems, I feel that's connected back to la lack mentality, like worrying about not having enough 
and worrying about, you know, what is coming in financially, what's going out financially. And I think that when we focus on the real abundance that surrounds us, I think that in itself helps let go of this lack mentality. We know that when we focus on lack, we attract more lack. It kind of goes back to the fear of loss. The two are really connected. And when we're worried about not having enough, when we're worried about not being enough, when we're worried about not having um, the financial means to do things, that itself is is self-perpetuating. It really comes back and creates a really, really vicious circle. I've lived it in my own life. I know that whenever I've had that fear of not having enough, especially money is probably the one we struggle with the most, is that's what shows up. That's what shows up in my bank account. That's what shows up, you know, on my credit cards. That's what shows up, you know, in my ability to to make purchases. And then when I release that and let go and focus on, you know, the abundance that I have in my life, all of the ways that my life is so incredibly abundant, more income comes in, money comes from in from unexpected places. So focusing on, you know, not worrying about what we don't have, focusing on what we do have. And when I talk about first world problems, you know, when we say that word, it's like we're acknowledging and forgetting that we actually have already where we live, you know, we have a roof over our heads, a bed to sleep in, sheets that are clean, pillows for our heads, um, having food in the fridge, having a pantry full of food, having clean drinking water, being able to wash ourselves. All of these things are signs of abundance that we have every single day and we can really take for granted. And so whenever that lack mentality comes up, we can switch it and focus on what's right in front of us that's abundant. And just even you listening to this podcast, probably on a phone that is more powerful than the computers that I grew up with, that in itself is a massive sign of abundance. And that in itself is actually you know, changing our entire world. Oh, next on my list, a big sigh before this one is expectations. Tony Robbins loves to say, trading, can you trade your expectations for appreciation? And I think, yeah, he's so right. Such a simple phrase, but when we have expectations, we're setting ourselves to be up to be disappointed. This is something that I know as a family, we definitely struggle with is having expectations on how we expect things to go how we expect other people to act, how we expect certain experiences to unfold. And that makes it so hard to actually appreciate what's going on and to appreciate other people. And so we get disappointed. We had, I mean, how many times have you been on a trip and you have expectations for how it's going to turn out and it doesn't turn out that way at all and you're disappointed about a trip of a lifetime? That's a real thing. And so what if we left behind these expectations we have for how things are going to unfold, how other people are going to act, even how we are going to act, and really focus on appreciation and gratitude in every single moment, in every single experience, as much as possible. As soon as you feel that disappointment, it's related back to an expectation. So turn that around and think about what you appreciate for that moment. The next thing on my list is other people's opinions. 
Gary Vaynerchuk is big on this about not giving, you know, a bleep about what anybody else thinks about you. I know this is really hard for most of us, myself included, and I want to subscribe to what Gary V says to just do what I'm going to do regardless of other people's opinions. And I will say that this is something I have been doing better at. I've been more authentic on the social media for sure in the last year, more um, sharing more personal stories, really sharing the realities of some of the things that I've been through or going through and sharing successes as well. And letting go of the fact that other people might not like what I post, might not agree with what I post, or might not understand what I post. Is it hard for me when someone gives me a negative opinion on something that I've shared? Yes. Am I working on getting through that and ignoring it? Yes. What Gary Vee says is what allows him to ignore the haters is that he equally does not care about all the positive feedback. He said, I appreciate it and I, you know, I can give thanks for it, but he's not attached to whether people like or don't like what he's sharing. Really wise words from Gary. Okay, aiming for protection, aiming for, no, we're aiming for perfection. <laughs> I think it's kind of ironic that I had a hard time saying those words. Uh, <laughs> so perfect. This podcast is not going to be perfect. I'm recording this um, just based on a list that I made of the 20 things to leave behind in 2020. I don't really have any notes, so I know this isn't going to be perfect. It's just me speaking off the cuff. Whenever we're focused on perfection, it really sets us back from progress. I personally, um, I think I'm a reformed perfectionist for sure. When I was going through school, I always wanted the best and I did want perfection from myself. I've grown to move towards progress as opposed to perfection. I will release things that aren't quite ready I will post something on Instagram, even though I'm not entirely sure that I have the right photo or have written the right things. Um, I will launch programs that I'm still working on and still learning. And, you know, I'll redo the video a couple times. But after the third time, I'm like, that's good enough for me. So this letting go of perfection, I think, can allow us to move forward and progress towards what we're trying to create in this next year and in this next decade letting go and knowing that perfection, it doesn't even exist, is so arbitrary. It's really related back to um, worrying about other people's opinions. You know, why are we worried about perfection? Well, it's because we're putting out something into the world that other people are going to see and we're worried that they're going to judge us. So letting go of this desire and necessity to give, put out a perfect product, because that just doesn't exist. It doesn't matter what you put out, how much content you post, whatever product you create, there will always be people that you cannot please. There will always be people that will be negative about whatever it is you share. So do it anyway, share it anyway, create it anyways. As we move towards the middle of our list, my next thing um, is to let go or leave behind not trusting our gut. So one of the things that I speak about on a regular basis is our gut health. I am really passionate about the microbiome. I find it super interesting. I think it's like the next frontier of human understanding of the human body. You know, we mapped the human genome, realized that there's actually so much more going on 
on a microbiome level and really understanding that our gut brain is just as powerful as our other brain and is sometimes more powerful and really uh, embracing in this new decade, trusting our gut, listening to our intuition uh, and knowing that we know what's best for ourselves. Our body knows, our cells knows, our, our bacteria know what is best for ourselves. And I think I want to give us permission and allow us to trust our gut in a way that we never have before. So before making decisions, you know, putting our hands on our gut and thinking about what is my gut telling me in this moment? And maybe even just closing our eyes and allowing our intuition to speak and giving it space before we make decisions. That I think can change um, the way that we interact even with people and react. Um, I would say when we react in anger, we're definitely not uh, trusting our gut. We're really listening, um, you know, probably to our reptilian brain at that point. So give ourselves space and time to listen to our intuition and trust our gut. This next one is one that I have been absolutely doing my best to do since I became a parent. So what I've asked us to let go of and leave behind is parenting other people's children. So one thing that I do my best is to give parents the benefit of the doubt. So what it, that means is that I will assume the parents are doing the best that they can at that moment in time. We don't know what's going on with that child, with that parent, with their home life. We just don't have enough understanding to really know what's happening behind the scenes. And it can be super easy to ditch out the advice. And that's going to be based on our own perspective as parents or even as non-parents um, based on our personal experiences. And what I'm recommending that we, you know, do going forward is to just leave parenting to the parents, you know, let the parents parent their children in the way that they feel is best. If they ask for help and advice, then yes, let's share the advice that we have in a non-judgmental way and then be okay if they don't actually take our advice or make changes based on what we've shared. Now, to be clear, if a child is in harm's way or in danger, I absolutely feel that it is our duty to step up and to do something and to make sure that a child is safe. But I'm talking about just in general, let's let each parent parent their own child in the way that they see is best for themselves and their families. And this is something, you know, personally, as a homeschool parent, I definitely um, struggle with that sometimes because some of the ways that we raise our daughter is really different than others may be raising their children. And I always say that homeschooling is a solution for our family, but it's not the solution for every child and it doesn't have to be. And I just offer, if people are asking me and then I offer advice, but I also know that they're really going to do what's best for them and their family and their children. To go a little bit further about, um, you know, making sure that children are, of course, being cared for uh, in a healthy way and not in harm's way, the next thing I want us to leave behind is staying quiet. And what I mean by this is that it's our turn to speak up. 
that when we see a situation that you know looks dangerous or someone's in harm's way to safely uh, interact, whether that means calling authorities or maybe it's just speaking our minds and you know being authentic. The Me Too movement happened at the end of this last decade, and it really taught us that it's okay to speak up and to share our truth. And women and other you know minorities or other people that identify as women or minorities that are um, really have been ostracized and not given a voice. Uh, are starting to speak and we're starting to get a real understanding of how people have been treated silently. And we are no longer staying quiet. And I encourage people to continue to use their voices to speak about things that have been unspeakable before. Our voices are our power. We can choose to speak up rather than staying quiet and really talk about the stuff that no one's talking about. For me, um, one of the things that I speak about, I speak about miscarriage. You know, I've been through two traumatic miscarriages. I have one child and had two miscarriages after her. And I speak about it because it has been so hidden and it, you know, it's a woman's issue, even though it really isn't because there's usually a partner who's also been through a loss. But I'm choosing to no longer stay quiet about it. I'm using my voice to share and to bring a voice to all those that can't or are unable to or just not ready to share um, their voice and their message. It would be amazing if we could leave behind criticism. Criticism, of course, to each other is easier to hold back and to restrain ourselves because it is happening outside of ourselves. Criticism about our own selves and our own bodies and our own lives, that's definitely hard. I've caught myself, you know, saying that I'm a, a really, I'm a bad mom because I did something. And when my daughter hears that, you know, that I'm criticizing myself and the way that I'm uh, acting as a parent, that's upsetting to her because she doesn't understand. She's like, well, I don't understand why you're a bad parent for doing this, that, and the other thing. Right? So criticism, it really connects back to that negative self-talk. But of course, criticism is when we can also do that to people outside of us. I don't believe there's such a thing as constructive criticism. I think using that term is really archaic. I think that we've moved beyond using constructive criticism. I prefer to use feedback as a way to um, share if someone, and I, this is what I think is important when we look at feedback versus criticism. We want to ask somebody if we have their permission to give feedback. So criticism is just saying something without, without being solicited, and usually it's very negative, of course. Even if it's constructive, it's still negative. When we look at feedback, feedback is, I did this, this, and this, I would love to hear feedback about it. Or if you've seen somebody doing something and you have some ideas of how they could improve, offering, may I give you feedback on this? May I coach you on this? And if someone says no, then that's your cue to stop talking. And I think we can all move better, move forward. I think feedback is super important and really valuable, but I think criticism in all of its forms just does way more harm than good. What about complaining? We've seen it 
but many times, you know, where we have uh, the meme that goes by, you know, to see how you would feel if you didn't complain for 24 hours. It's tough. I think it's really a part of our, our language, the way we speak. And I think myself as well, I don't even realize sometimes when I'm complaining about certain things, I just don't even know that it's happening. And I've been called out on it by a few people. And I think of myself as a super positive person and a very grateful person, but I've been called out for complaining too much. And so I think as we move forward into this next decade, it's uh, first of all, being more aware of what are we complaining about and does it need to be something we complain about? Uh, going back to Gary Vee, I do listen to a lot of his stuff. So um, he speaks about, you know, complaining about your your latte not having the right kind of milk. Now, I don't think that that's something that a lot of people do on a regular basis, but maybe we, we have our own way of complaining about the latte not having the right kind of milk, about something that really makes no difference, unless someone has an allergy, and then that might be worth, you know, bringing up, absolutely. But I think we're just not aware of some of the things we might be complaining about that we could, again, use feedback or other ways to maybe change things instead of using a negative tone um, or being uh, hurtful towards someone else or just really complaining about things that someone else actually might be grateful for. So, you know, maybe you're complaining that you've been walking around for a while and you're maybe your, uh, your walk took longer than you'd planned or you're further from your destination than you had thought, but you're complaining about doing something which is walking, which other people actually might be really grateful for because they're not able to walk. So a good way to move away from complaining is to, when we say they're complaining, the complaint is to look at the other side of it. Well, how could I be grateful for this right now? Is there a way to me, for me to switch that around? We're getting towards the end of the list, and um, I want to mention unexpressed anger. The reason I think this is so important to leave this behind is because unexpressed anger, we've heard the quote before, is that when you are um, holding in anger for someone else, it's like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. The only person that unexpressed anger hurts is ourself. And I'm sure this has happened to you as well. You're angry with someone about something and they actually have no idea that you're angry. They don't even realize because they don't even know that they did something that faulted you or wronged you. And you've been holding onto this anger and it's eating you up inside. It's affecting your gut. It's affecting the way that you speak to yourself. It's affecting so many of these things on the list. And so we want to move towards expressing anger in healthy ways. Um, and I mean expressing anger, not repressing anger and pushing our feelings down, which we know is definitely not something that we want to do. We want to make sure that we express our feelings. So how can we express our anger in a safe way? Lots of options. Um, for some people, journaling and writing is enough. Uh, sometimes screaming, you know, might just be a way to get rid of your anger. I have a friend who loves to throw rocks into the river. She gets all her anger out, throws rocks into the river, sees the huge splash, and just does that for a couple minutes, and it really helps her release the anger. You might, maybe you take up a sport, you know, that has physical action, like a, maybe like a boxing uh, or something like that, where you're actually hitting something, 
I mean, sometimes hitting something is a really healthy way to express our anger. Not hitting other people, of course, but you know, maybe boxing might be a way to help release some of the anger that we've got. So let's express our anger in safe ways as we move into the next decade. Okay, so we're on to our last six of our list of 20. So this is kind of funny the way that I wrote it, but I said shooting all over ourselves. <laughs> and I mean shooting. I should have done this. I should have made this decision. I should have blank, blank, blank. We make decisions every single moment of every single day. Some of them are conscious, some of them are not. And whenever we add a should into it, we are questioning our own decisions and our own ability to trust that we are making healthy decisions. So getting rid of the shoulds in our lives will really help us as we move forward into the next year and into the next decade. Because all it does is makes us feel bad. You know, oh, I should have said this. I should have done this. But we didn't. We can't change what happened. We can't change the past. We can move forward. We can offer an apology if it's necessary. We can change our habits right then and there if we should have gone out running this morning and we didn't. Well, then tomorrow we do. So we want to focus on catching ourselves when we use the word should changing our vocabulary, bringing it into the present tense, what do I actually want to do instead of I should have done this? What is it that I actually want to do? So changing the way that we use that language and making should, you know, one of our, uh, our swear words, you know, for in our family, can't is actually a swear word and hate. We don't use the words can't and we don't use the words hate. I use the word hate exceedingly sparingly for things that I really truly like cannot think of another way to explain because it's so um, it brings up that emotion in me but those are just words that we generally don't use in our home because they're just not they're not beneficial for anybody and they make us feel bad I have done a lot of conversation about this next thing um, I've had several interviews with people about this and it's something that I feel at the end of the last decade, we were starting to see a shift from as we move into 2020 and beyond. And it's the body image conversation. It's understanding that every human body is different. We are all different shapes, all different sizes. We are all worthy of love. We are all worthy of kindness and respect. Everyone's body is worthy of gratitude. You know, everyone deserves to be able to look into the mirror and say, I love you. And body image conversations, negative body shaming of others, it's just, it's so 2010s. Like it just needs to disappear. Another thing that I, as part of this conversation, is really letting go of before and after pictures. There are so many times where I can show you before and after picture. I can show you before and after picture of me 10 minutes apart and I'll look totally different based on lighting and angles. Before and after pictures, you literally take a second in time of the way that you looked or the way that you felt and you're comparing yourself to something later. 
But then a moment after that second, after picture is taken, you change again. And what if you end up going back to looking like your before picture? How do you feel then? I really, truly believe that we will get to a point where we are no longer bombarded by diet culture. We will get to a point where we are no longer bombarded with before and after pictures and this person lost this much weight on this program. I would love in this decade to see us really embrace a way of eating and caring for ourselves that comes from self-love first. That is a big one for me and it's kind of why I left it towards the end of our list. Overspending and consumption. So I talked about lack mentality earlier in the podcast and why I want to talk about overspending and consumption is kind of the two are related is, you know, often we talk about not having enough money to do A, B, and C, and then we turn around and spend on something that we don't actually have the money for. And I am definitely guilty of this. It's something that I've struggled with for sure. I spend future money, right? I'm like, oh, this, you know, my new program is going to do super well. So I'm going to invest in this first, right? I do that a lot and I end up spending more and I end up with a credit card balance, which I can't pay off because the future me did not produce the revenue that was required to pay off what past me had overspent on. So I might be the only person that's, you know, worried about overspending or has been doing that in the past, but I'm definitely working towards making better choices of how I spend my money. Now I do invest money in all different places. I invest a great deal of money in my health. That is something that, um, I spend a lot of money on my supplements and my nutrition. That is a huge part of my budget. And I never look at it as overspending because for me, that's a huge investment in my health. It's my, it really is my short-term insurance. And for me, that's worth what it costs me on a monthly basis. But consumption, right? How much of our food ends up in the garbage because we overbought with our grocery, right? Doing things like meal planning can help us reduce overconsumption. Uh, even overconsumption of sugar, which I talk about in other videos about how much I struggle with that overconsumption, right? It's so easy to buy that little bit of chocolate or sugar at any store at any checkout. And it's understanding that, nope, I don't really need that and it's not going to serve me. Our last three things to leave behind as we move into 2020 and beyond. The next one is assumptions. When we assume we make an ass out of you and me, how many times have you said that expression? I say it a lot. And I would say that getting rid of assumptions is one thing that's been really important in my relationship with my husband. So we have learned that when we assume that the other person has understood what we've said or what we've asked them to do, or just even understood simple instructions, without checking, it results in us being frustrated because we just made an assumption about how things were gonna be done or what we were thinking the other person, what we were expecting the other person to do. And really making a, a choice to avoid an assumption and ask the questions, was that clear? You know, am I explaining this well? Do you understand what I've asked? 
I think will go a long way, especially when we're in business, you know, we're making assumptions that maybe our clients understand what they're purchasing, uh, what program they're buying, how much they're investing, what does that look like, right? Maybe we can do just a better job of asking more questions to make sure that our assumptions aren't going to get in the way of our success. Our last two things uh, that I want us to leave behind as we move into 2020 is a lack of vision, so a lack of vision and judgment. Why is lack of vision something that I want us to leave behind? At the beginning of every year, you know, we talk about New Year's resolutions or not setting New Year's resolutions. We talk about setting goals or not setting goals. We talk about creating intentions or not creating intentions. But we always do talk about what we want to create in the year ahead, in the decade ahead, in the next three to five years. And sometimes a lot of that is overwhelming. But what I want us to maybe focus on instead is just having a vision of what we want our life to look like. That's it. Because it is so easy for a whole year to go by and nothing memorable has happened. I did a review of the past decade a few days ago and I was doing it with some clients and we went through a couple years and they were like, I don't, there's nothing really that stands out from that year. And I think when we just have a vision of what we want our lives to look like, of the kind of people that we want to be, of the kind of ways that we want to be of service to others, that helps shape and mold our lives and create memorable experiences throughout the days, the months, the weeks, the years, and the decades. So a vision for your life does not have to be complicated, but I do really encourage you to have vision. Make a vision board. Um, write out your vision on paper. And guess what? It's totally okay if your vision changes. You know, I had a vision two years ago of what my life would look like living uh, across the country when we moved um, from Ontario, Canada to British Columbia, Canada. I had a vision of what that looked like. It's not what happened at all. When we actually came to live here, my vision was not what I thought it was going to be. So I went back to the drawing board. I created a different vision. And I do, I'm so glad that I did because what I've created now as a, with myself, my family, my loved ones is really spectacular and really amazing. And then I continue to grow and create my vision every year. Sometimes I change it halfway through the year. But just keeping an eye on what exactly you are working on creating in your life is something to really carry forward in this next year, in this next decade. And so I leave us with the last thing for us to leave behind, and that's judgment. Judgment of ourselves, judgment of other people, judgment of what other countries are doing, what other cultures are doing, judgment. It serves no purpose. It does not show up very flattering for ourselves when we are judging others. I want us to be authentic and share our opinions and the way that we feel and the way what we stand for. I want us to use our voices in a way that is not about judging what someone else is doing. So because I choose to do something one way does not mean that the opposite, that I judge the opposite as being bad or wrong. I want to do what's right for me, for my family, for my business, for my culture in a way that does not 
judge what other cultures may choose to do. I left judgment as the last thing on the list because I do think that judgment and jealousy, jealousy was the first, judgment is the last, are probably things that as humans we struggle with the absolute most. So that is my list of 20 things that I'm inviting us to leave behind as we move into the next decade. I would love to hear from you. You know, were there things on this list that you, like me, are struggling with? Do you find that um, there's a lot of pressure, you know, in this next decade to, to create and manifest? And what is that looking like for you? And I do hope that something on this list maybe triggered you. If it did trigger you, then maybe it's something worth spending some time and looking at a little bit more closely. Thank you for joining me, taking the time to listen in today. And I really hope that some of what I've shared will make a difference for you, not just today and tomorrow, but for the rest of 2020. Thank you for joining me on today's episode of Wake Up With Gratitude. See you next time where I interview other entrepreneurs who are building their business on gratitude, kindness, and self-love. I appreciate you and the time you took to listen today. Thank you so much for liking, downloading, and sharing this podcast.